From the Rodney Kieferi Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Daniel talks about how to create a culture where the basketball athlete learns to embrace the weight room and athletic performance, how it's never too late to bet on yourself and follow your dream, and the long-term effects of sports specialization with youth athletes. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that a step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra- uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And, and uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, we are joined by Coach Carlos Daniel. He is the men's basketball head strength and conditioning coach at Vanderbilt. And prior to Vanderbilt, he was an assistant strength and conditioning coach with the Denver Nuggets. He's also been the director of men's basketball with UConn and with stops at St. David's Healthcare, Southern Methodist University, New Orleans Pelicans, and the San Antonio Spurs. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Hey, I appreciate it, Isaiah. Thanks for joining us. And could you tell us a little bit about your role at Vanderbilt? So right now, I'm the head strength and conditioning coach for men's basketball. So, you know, my day-to-day is just making sure that, you know, our guys are, you know, up, ready to roll, prepared to play uh, uh, Vanderbilt-style basketball. Absolutely. And how many athletes do you have on your roster currently? We have a pretty big roster right now, and I think it's uh, purposeful. We have about 17 guys right now. That includes scholarship and walk-ons. And with your program, do you customize the workout to everyone? Or you had mentioned play Vanderbilt basketball. So or do they all kind of come in to like a, a template of what Vanderbilt basketball is and you build them into that? Or is it kind of we see where they're at and go for it? 
it's a little bit of both. Obviously, you know, after my this being my second season, you have some guys that are kind of familiar with my style and what coach, you know, what coach wants to do. So it can be a little bit more tailored to them and what their specific needs are within the program. But then you got young guys that are just learning how to work. They're just being introduced to college, you know, to a college culture. So getting them to up their level while assessing uh, their not just their basketball IQ, but their weight room IQ and their their uh, awareness of, you know, the level that they're at, you know, changes some things, but you have to pay attention to that. Definitely. And what are you seeing with the the type of athlete coming? Are they coming in, you know, from high schools with, with previous strength coaches or like a, a, a trainer, or are you getting a lot of guys that are just raw and you have to reteach the basics? I, you know, I think they're all a little bit raw because mm-hmm. you're, you're changing like what's one's one person's perception of hard work is can be different than your perception of hard work. So you got to establish what that is and hopefully they can, you know, they're, they're not too far behind the curve, but as you know, uh, we could probably have two, this, the same exact program, same exact list. We call them two different things. So we have to come overcome that, that barrier of communication and language to say, Hey, this person's calling a Riffwood elevated. Uh, they just call it a Bulgarian. So, you know, you know, getting them on my page with the language that I like to use and assessing where they were is, you know, is, is it can be a little bit challenging at times. And working primarily with men's basketball team, are you finding it easier or harder to get the basketball athlete to buy into getting stronger and being in the weight room and taking care of themselves to, I mean, let's, let's not go around and, you know, Vanderbilt, you guys are preparing guys for potentially the next level uh, of basketball. So do you, do you find it easier to get them in and, you know, this is what it takes to be a, a, a like a professional or play at a high level, or is it kind of instilled in them at that point? I think it, it's something you got to build in. I think, and I don't care where you are. I mean, everybody assumes they're doing what it takes to get to the next next level, but they really haven't been there. Um, so you have to really, you have to check their ego at the door. And like, be like, hold on, man. you like, you've done a great job getting here. And some guys get to this level and they just want to exhale. Oh, I've made it to at the SEC or made it to Vanderbilt. And that was their goal. And you have some athletes that are trying to make it onto the NBA, but they all think they've arrived. So you got to really kind of reassess and get them to understand, like, no, there is a different level to where you are. There's different levels of college players. It's like the different levels of um, NBA players, just because like an NBA, we used to struggle with just because you're making all-star money doesn't mean you're an all-star, you know? And at this level, just because you have an SEC scholarship doesn't automatically make you an SEC starter or someone that can produce at a high level in the SEC. That's interesting. And, has your experience being a high level basketball player yourself and helped you with that? Like, do you draw on that experience at all throughout your coaching? You know, I, I know what it's like to be in your shoes kind of trust me, or is it kind of something that you don't really bring up with them? No, nah, I mean, I don't, I don't get into like to be braggadocious. Like they'd have to pull it out of me. Like coach, what are your basketball accolades? What did you do? They all assume, you know, to a certain level, they're like, oh, he played, he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I don't really get into, you know, what I did. Mm-hmm. But 
I do know what it feels like. And I have to draw upon it as my personal experiences. Like, yo, this is, I know what it's like to play four and five nights. I know what it's like to play back to backs. I know what it's like to do these different things to get yourself going. So I can speak to that and I can program to that. And I can look for certain things within that, you know, within that, in the, in, within that construct to help me, you know, maybe I need to scale it back today. Maybe I need to ramp this guy up today based on playing time, based on minutes, based on a whole lot of different things. And, and you know, leave us to say my, personal experiences definitely and i know basketball season it's a long season now typically with what we're seeing in covid everything's a little different but before the pandemic basketball is a long season it starts in the halfway through the fall and ends halfway through the through the spring and a lot of a lot of traveling do you alter your programming significantly from what you would see in pre and post season or is it kind of like you said these guys, one guy played a lot of minutes, these guys didn't. So we'll give the, the guys on the bench a little bit more difficult of a workout or how, how does your programming adjust once the season comes around? Once the season comes around, man, I put guys in buckets and those buckets are, you know, my, my high minute guys. Uh, you know, those, that's probably my first eight, nine guys that I know are playing in a, hot, a lot of minutes. Then you have your stay ready group. That's the group that's probably playing right outside that they might not be playing at all, but they're injury away from being playing 20 minutes a night or, you know, playing significant minutes. So I, that's my state ready group. And then I have my developmental group at the collegiate level. The state that developmental group is um, red shirts, you know, maybe probably your walk ons, you know, guys are, you know, that are, you know, that, you know, aren't going to play or guys that are transferred that aren't going to play. So their workout scheme is totally different. Like they're not, they're practicing, but they're getting basically a day off on game day. Um, so you can do a little bit of different programming for them and you can get, you know, physical, you know, trying to get physical development and physical gains for that other group, the stay ready group. They have to, like I said, they can't, you can't let them decondition because they're just a minute, couple minutes away, and we don't want to spike in their load or spike in you know their what they're asked to do to adversely affect them three four games if they're asked to take that bump. So their workouts, you know, on the off days are different. And then my my uh, my high minute guys, you're just you're looking at you know what those minutes are, and then you're basing those you know their workouts based on you know their weekly output, their weekly demands, you know in, in uh, in conjunction with games. Nice. Practice. Absolutely. And you had mentioned you got to Vanderbilt, was it two years ago? Uh, this is starting my second season. Starting your second season. So what was it like coming, coming into Vanderbilt off of, you were an assistant with the Denver Nuggets, correct? Yes. So what was it like leaving, you know, the, an NBA team and then going and kind of like starting up a culture at, at Vanderbilt. They may have had a previous strength and conditioning coach, but it wasn't you. So what, what was that transition period like? What did you try to establish when you became the, the head men's basketball strength coach? I just wanted to come in and establish a certain workload or a certain work level. Like this is my expectation. Like this is what we have to be able to meet on a day-to-day basis if, you, if we want to call ourselves – on the road to being successful. So just coming in and because the where they were the year before, and I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not talking ill of the, the previous staff. They just, they had an unfortunate run. Or I wouldn't be here, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So you have to come in and you have to address what happened before you got there. <clears throat> and then 
make some changes. And my, I thought that my biggest thing I needed to do was just let's, let's increase how hard we're working and let the chips fall where they may. Let's increase that work level, what we consider to be hard work. Let's increase that. And then we can make things, we can make some changes after that and make some adjustments after that. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you tell a younger strength coach that how much of this weight room culture is dependent on how well you work with the head coach? Cause I know a lot of younger strength coaches are, are people that are dealing with head coaches for the first time. It's kind of, they don't love the weight room as much as we do. We're the weight room guy, but you know, how would you tell a younger strength coach to manage, you know, Hey, I wanted to establish this hard work, but it was also coach Stackhouse is this is what he, you know, he was looking for and what we're trying to achieve. You have to, you have to know where this kind of where that slide, you got to create a slide scale and you have to have a conversation with the head coach up front that establishes that slide scale. Like, Hey, you know, for me, it's a, you know, it's an 80, 20, um, you know, when it's the summertime, 80% of the time they're with me, 20% of the time they're on the court. Now, as we shift towards basketball season, that thing slides back towards coach. So now they're on the court 80% of the time and you're getting, I'm getting 20%. And you have to respect that slide. And I think both sides have to respect that scale and understand like, hey, there's an appreciation for both sides of that. And it's that you have to have that dialogue and it has to complement like both of you and your head coach can't be the bearer of bad news all the time. You have to have to be able to allow those 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 young men a place to develop, grow. Sometimes that mean may mean you 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 are the kick in the pants. Some days that may mean you're you're there, you know, you're the pat on the back. But you have to be, you can't everybody that walks into the weight room or walks into the culture can't everybody be can't be doom and gloom. I'm not saying all head coaches are, but I'm saying head coaches have to toe a very a pretty strict line sometimes. And you have to be able to understand where that line is and then adjust to that line without compromising, you know, your, your core values. Absolutely. Absolutely. And looking at, at your career, you started out as a, an intern in the NBA, correct? Mm-hmm. How, how do you think that molded your current philosophy? Because a lot of people would aspire to work their way into a pro league, but you actually got started in the pro league and then, you, you know, you've had another stint as, as an assistant coach. How do you think, I guess, what, what did you learn by starting in, in the NBA at such a high level? So it was, it was kind of, you know, kind of in my background leading up to that position is I worked for, uh, I worked for Steve Hess, the yeah. former uh, strength, uh, head and strength conditioning coach for the Nuggets. Yeah. And I worked for Steve um, at his gym. Uh, his own personal gym for a, almost a year. It was Forza, yeah? Yeah, Forza. Yeah, okay, and yeah. then previous to that, I was, uh, I coached high school and college basketball. Um, and it was just, you know, Steve, I mean, uh, Steve Englehart's boss was was my boss. Yeah. So, you know, we have a common, we have some commonality in our past, but um, I just knew I wanted to be, I wanted, I love the court and I love the weight room. Mm. And I wanted to be able to merge those two things. So being able to, you know, work on my craft a little bit, learn some things from Steve has learn how to, you know, develop what I want to do. When I finally got to the, you know, when I got that opportunity to get to the NBA and I'm working for uh, uh, Brungart, Mike Brungart, great, great mind, great strength and conditioning mind. Mm -hmm. And now I'm able to say, okay, 
you, you've seen one thing with Steve. Now you see another thing with, with Brungie. Where are you, where are you going to sit? And it just allowed me the time, a chance to kind of step back away from the woods and be like, okay, let me pick this up. Hey, the, the energy that Steve has brings, his knowledge is, you know, is, is contagious. You have to have a high level of energy. Mm. You got to bring that every day. You can't, they can't walk into the weight room and be Debbie Downer. You know, you got to be ready to roll. Right. And you got to bring it every day. You can't have bad days. Nope. <laughs> you know, and then from, uh, you know, having some staples and some tools and some fundamental things that you're, hey, I'm going to hang my hat on three lifts or these different, you know, exercises. That's what Brungie said. He said, just stand with them. Everybody's not going to love them. But if you know they work and you know and you know that they're going to get results, then, you know, keep them in your wheelhouse. Right. And so it just gave me a chance to really kind of develop my personality uh, at that level because I wasn't calling the shots yet. So it just gave me a chance to, you know, to um, to kind of get my feet wet, develop my own style, my own personality within the weight room and my on my journey. So that was and the NBA has a lot different rules. Like mm. I could go on the court with the guys in the NBA you know, and use some of my basketball skills to make that transition from the weight room to the back to the court a lot, you know, a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. While in college, I can't go on the court. So being at the NBA level really helped me work some things out. And, you know, as far as transitioning, uh, what I like to say is this applicable strength. You know, anybody can lift weights, but can you apply it to what you're going to do within your craft? And it allowed me to bridge that gap. But like, okay, hey, let's work on this in the weight room. Let's step out on the court and actually let me show you mm. how this is going to apply. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's some re- really good information there. And, you know, I, I know Steve, too. I, I've been lucky enough to – cross paths with him and, and I, I know Felipe and the, the rest of that staff out there and you know Steve is, is all energy he all the time yeah. I, I have even you know meeting in his office he's definitely like he's passionate and that's good and you know I think it's good to know actually know you know with Brungard know, know your basics and you know you know stick to it and know what know yeah. what you're about you had mentioned you had the love of the weight room and the love of the court when did you figure out like the love of the weight room because Typically, those don't really merge too often, but like clearly you're very passionate about both. Like mm-hmm. when did, what did it, was it the weight room that came first or was it the court that came first? You know, being a collegiate basketball player, people, you know, the court came first. You know, obviously that got me to the collegiate level, you know, my love for the game. But <clears throat> at a young age, you know, I was introduced to some really good strength coaches that kind of introduced me to the weight room. Uh, Jeff Madden, who was uh, who was a longtime strength coach in the uh, the collegiate level, started. You know, he was a Vanderbilt grad. You know, went on to CU. North was at North Carolina CU yeah. University of Texas for a very long time. Uh, I think he's then, known by another name though for for a lot of these younger guys. Yeah. So and you know, then Doc Creek. Yeah. You know, he was at CU oh yeah. When yeah. I was in high school, and I was fortunate enough and blessed enough. A couple of my best friends. Uh, you know, their dad was on the CU coaching staff at the time. So I would just track tag along with them. And then Doc and, you know, Mad Dog and those guys would allow me to work out. So I was introduced to it. I didn't get results right away. You know, so like these great results where I just turned into this beast, you know, of a person. Um, But I was introduced to it. and It didn't bother me. Uh, And then my freshman year, I got to college, man. And that's when I started loving the weight room because I got some success in there. I wasn't having a great time on the court. So, you know, like I was just struggling making that jump from high school to uh, high school to the Pac-10 at the time. 
And I was like, yo, I got I to gotta find somewhere to get some wins, bro. my strength coach uh, was Gary Calcano who's, who's at Oklahoma State now and you know we just developed a relationship and it was like a sanctuary to me I, I started doing well in the classroom and I started you know putting in a little bit of extra time in the weight room and I started seeing some results and my game started to turn around a little bit and I started playing better and I attributed it to the, some of the work I was doing in the weight room which I, I don't I, it was, it was correct i got stronger i got more i got more endurance and things of that nature so that love started i was like i love being like these two things they never had to, what time's left you never had to convince me what time is it to go work out like let's go get it mm, so my nice. freshman year you really my freshman year in, in college was the was when i really started to fall in love with the weight room and, and then how long was it from when you when you graduated from your undergrad to when you were with the Spurs was your first I was like I was 34 years old when I started my internship I mean I want <laughs> I want you all to I, I hope you hear that like you're ne- it's never too late never too late to follow your passion so you know 34 years old when you started it what was that difficult because I'm 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 assuming there are some other young uh, oh, interns yeah, and you're looking yeah. at, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough, you know, yeah, to, I've done this. Like yeah. this, this is strange. So I go to be, I'm an intern, a strength and conditioning intern with the San Antonio Spurs. And I walk in the gym and Antonio McDice is there. Oh, I had man. been in vet camp with the Denver Nuggets playing, you know, trying to make the Nuggets with yeah. Antonio McDice. And now I'm, you know, I'm picking up his towel and wiping up his sweat as an intern. So it was, you know, it was, a, you know, some humility in that process. Oh, yeah. But, mm. You know, that's 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 the steps I had to take to get to where I wanted to be. So um, and I didn't I wanted to be authentic. I didn't want someone just to drop me in. Like when I decided I was going to merge these two things at, you know, about twenty nine when I stopped playing. Uh, when I when I you know, had a couple of injuries and I finally got into it, I worked at twenty four hour fitness. Mm. You know, just to learn, yeah. just to learn how to be a trainer, to learn how to be a service to people. To you know, I figured like if I can work with soccer moms, I can work with anybody. Oh yeah. You know, and so I just learned my craft. And before I even went to Steve to ask him, hey man, I'm, I know this is the you know for a job or to apply for a job. Like I said, I did I did three, three years of just personal training, working in gyms just to learn how to be a be how to be a trainer and how to be a co- a strength coach and then you know learn how to how can I bridge those two fields and then you know a relationship that I had with somebody else with uh Del Demps a man that I played with uh you know in the CBA was uh on the staff in San Antonio as an as an assistant general manager is the one that kind of said I don't have much bro you know but I have an internship are you willing to do it for free at 34 and you're uh, at the time I was a, my, I had my son, my oldest son with me, living with mm. me. Are you willing to do it for free? And I, and I took that opportunity. Uh, that's, you know, that that's deep. I mean, there are coaches in that struggle right now, you know, they're interning or they're a GA. What was your mindset going into that first internship? Like you said, you're like, I, I have a kid and it's not much. And I'm moving into a, you know, a whole different place. And what got you through those moments where you'd be like, all right, I know this will pay off if I do it correctly. Man, I'll be, if I'm really, really honest, man, it, it was my faith. It was my faith in the Lord. Like that, was, mm-hmm. that moment, like 
there was nothing really pointing out like from a worldly standpoint that said, hey, man, this is a good idea. It's a good idea to take your teenage son and to move to Texas after I just got custody of, you know, not custody. It wasn't like a battle or anything like that. He came to live with me uh, to move to San Antonio on an unpaid internship. You know, it's like I and like I didn't have much at the time, and I was going through my personal life was you know was a little bit a little bit hectic at the time, but I had to have faith. I had to have faith in something greater than myself, and my faith in the Lord allowed me to take that step to step out on something and say, "Hey, this can work." You know, he he gave me a, a level of confidence and some presence of mind to know that like I got you. You're gonna you're gonna be okay. Step out on this. Step out on faith. Believe, and and things will work out. And it was like. You know, it couldn't have been me, bro. Like, I'm th- I'm 34 and I'm going on an internship. A year later, I'm the head strength and conditioning coach in for the New Orleans Pelicans. Like, that's mm-hmm. not the typical journey. That's not the path that a lot of people take. So I don't want to sit here and say, I was just this phenomenal strength coaching mind, and they just saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, yeah. man. It was it was definitely something greater than myself, and and I always attribute I and I attribute it to my faith and and, my, and you know my walk with Christ. Hmm. Yeah, that's some powerful stuff. I've been lucky enough to hear a few stories throughout this podcast and just talking with other coaches, but that that's that's unique. That that's that's quite a step of faith. Just I mean, I have kids right now and I couldn't imagine being like right now, be like, hey, we're gonna uproot and go on a volu- unpaid internship just because that, that that's 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 powerful stuff because you know, we're faced with those kind of you know situations all the time and you were able to take advantage of it and, and it, it paid off. What would be one piece of advice you would tell that strength coach right now? That's just, you know, coach Daniel, I, I, I'm at that crossroads. I'm in that point in my career where I was, do I keep going with this or they're earning their keep, I guess right now and paying their dues. What would be some advice for those coaches? If you won't bet on you, how can you expect somebody else to? If you won't take a chance on yourself, how can you expect somebody else to? Like not something for nothing. When are you when you can actually when it come, when you come to that crossroads and you actually have to put some skin in the game? What are you going to do? It's easy to play with house money. It's easy to play with somebody else's, you know, when somebody else is, you know, taking a chance and they don't know you, yada, yada, yada. But what are you going to do when it push comes to shove? And that's what I tell these young guys. And that's why when I ask those type of questions, when I'm interviewing or talking to young strength coaches, what are you willing to do? Because they have these grandiose ideas. Oh, yeah, you know, I want to get in the league and I want to do this. I said, what if you have to go to China? What you go? Uh, oh, okay. Then you're not. You're not. You're not serious. <laughs> you're not serious right now. You know, or you get these young guys now that are, they they start out at a high level, right? They'll start out as an intern or uh, an assistant strength coach at the NBA or at the collegiate level, and now like a job comes open at a smaller school or a job comes open somewhere else, and it's like, are you in love with the lifestyle? Are you are you in love with the business? Because if you're in love with the lifestyle, you'll stay someone, you'll stay in that assistant role until they tell you you can't be here anymore. But if you actually want to lead and you want to program, you'll bet on you and you'll know that wherever you're going, that that moment is, is, is a stepping stone. 
It's your chance to get the microphone and rock the stage. But if you're not willing to take that chance, how can you expect somebody else to? Hey, you're, you're dropping some, some good, good information. You know, get bet on yourself. And if you really want to do anything you can, like you said, are you willing to go to another country even? Go to, are you willing to go to China just to stay a strength coach? That's some powerful stuff. And I think I, our listeners are going to for sure, it's going to resonate with a lot of them. I'm assuming there's somebody out there listening to this, like I, I got to bet myself today. I'm, I'm going to go all in and really see what I can do with this. It's, that's some powerful stuff. And not to switch gears too much, but you, I mean, you're a very highly educated individual and you were working on a PhD. Could you give uh, uh, listeners a little bit about your dissertation? I mean, I know for that PhDs don't come fast or easy. So you can you let us know a little bit about what you're studying. Yeah, man, I'm on the back side. I'm on the, I want to say I'm on the back nine, but if anybody knows that you've ever done a PhD, you could be on the back nine for a minute. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm close. I'm in a good spot. Um, I decided to look at, I'm looking at um, specialization uh, in youth basketball athletes and just trying to quantify like how much are they actually doing um, a few years back, the NBA and USA Basketball had put out some 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 like some guidelines and recommendations for uh, you know in their in their position on specialization. So I just wanted to look at that. Hey, one, do coaches know about this stuff? Are they excuse me, and what are they doing with it? So that's kind of what I wanted to look at. Obviously, uh, you know, my viewpoint on specialization is uh, at this point is like uh, what's the best way to put it. Uh, I relate it to like exercise, right? Everybody knows they should be exercising, but we still, we have a lot of sedentary people that just sit on the couch, right? Right. And specialization is the same thing. Everybody's saying specialization is bad and you shouldn't do it, but everybody's still specializing, you know, (laughs) at younger and younger ages. So it's just kind of drawing some attention to that and kind of, you know, checking the temperature and the gauge of like, you know, not just understanding that they're doing, but what are they actually doing to give them some, you know, coaches, some valuable, like, Hey, these are actual numbers, you know, now let's, now we can build on that, you know, as we move forward, looking, you know, into the future. Now I can use my study, use some of my math, my my information to, you know, do another study and maybe follow some teams a little bit more to dive deeper into the numbers. But I, you know, I wanted a a starting off point. What have you seen so far? Cause it's a well known, I think anecdote that, Hey, you specialize too much when they're young, it can have detrimental effects. But is, have you seen it? Is it true? Or have you seen people embrace like the multi-sport athlete and a broad brush, keeping them performance ready? Nah, it's, it's, it's the other way around. And, and I, you know, what inspired my study was like my first couple of years in the, in the league and we're getting these 19, 20 year old guys that are being drafted. And I'm like, and these guys have a lot of, these are considered overuse injuries. These guys shouldn't be having this injuries until they're, you know, late twenties or something like that. So it just kind of came to this, you know, in my mind, like these young athletes are, are getting, I'm not going to say playing their best basketball. I'm saying they're getting the most out of their bodies they're taking a lot out of their bodies in gyms when nobody's watching or anybody's paying attention to them. So just that focus, like now I just wanted to put numbers to that to say, okay, it's easy to say that make that statement, but what do the when you're saying what is too much? What are you gauging it against? So then you have the NBA guidelines. So now you have a, a, a standard. You know, so you you can compare these numbers something to compare their volume to. So 
that's what I, you know, what's kind of inspired me to do it. And then looking at it now, like it is, it's, 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 it's held true. These young people are getting, you're putting way too many miles on their body, you know, unmature bodies, you know, and then at the end of the day, their windows are, are being cut short. Their athletic windows are decreasing. Like, you know, the league got younger, but that window also shrank where before you're not going to see guys playing 13, like the LeBron James playing 17, 18 years is going to be the, you know, the exception big is already the exception to the rule because, you know, you have an NBA career that's averages, you know, three or four years at tops. And that's not just because, you know, more talent comes in. A lot of that has to do with, you know, the, uh, how their bodies are just not able to hold up anymore at that level. Right. You had mentioned, yeah, you have a, a younger kid and being in the, position of being a parent we see it all the time with club sports whether it's basketball soccer whatever it may be and and i'm not faulting the private sector because they they got to make money so they got to be able to sell what their market their product has that changed your i guess your style of parenting being like look you're not just going to be playing basketball 24 7 365 or it has it changed like how you go about because i know when i heard about it i was like well if i ever become a parent like i'm gonna make sure my kids get some rest time they play multiple different sports just to keep things you know mm-hmm. different it has that affected how you parent 100 percent, man like when i was my older son is 20 26 now I had to do it all over again. I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have made him play different, more sports, just because you know you just need to do different things. Like my generation was probably the last generation of the multi-sport athlete. Like when I was growing up, like it was a big deal. Like oh, dude is all state in football and basketball. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Like you knew that kid was a was some sort of good athlete, right? Now kids are only playing basketball or only playing this, and there's just the mental, it's not just a physical strain, it's the mental strain of saying, this is what I'm going to do, you know, um, for, until I don't know when. That's just tough. Like, give them some, give them a chance to go out there and, you know, run and be free and, you know, and just to decompress from the pressures of what whatever their main sport may be, to get their mind off it, just to, be, you know, to have fun. As much as people think, oh, man, I'm not keeping up with the Joneses and I'm not doing this, and no, brother, <laughs> That is that is a false narrative that we've created for like, that we've created for ourselves to make ourselves feel comfortable within that space of putting these type of demands. There's very few sports that you know that youth is 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 a precursor for. You know, gymnastic window. You know, for certain reasons or tennis or things of that nature. All the other sports are are really based on your on maturity. And when you hit a certain, you know, maturation point, that's when your body's actually going to be able to help you, you know, achieve uh, elite status. So that work that you're putting in at the back end may not translate on the front end. Like you can be, you know, some of these kids like, you know, when I worked with Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis started out at 6'1". He's finished at almost seven feet. Those are two totally different bodies, two totally different, different, you know, you know, is it's night and day difference on what his body was capable of doing at six one and what his body was capable of doing at six ten. Just understanding that that big progression and big jump. And you know, I explained from a basketball perspective, I tell, especially when you're dealing with young men and all these different levels of maturation, I tell them, like, look, I can tell you a couple of things. I will almost bet the farm 
you're ranked in the seventh grade. You could be the number one player in the seventh grade, right? I can almost guarantee when you're a senior, you will not be the number one kid in your class. You know why? Because there's some kid like Anthony Davis, who's five foot nothing right now, who's going to be 6'10 and doesn't have the miles on his body that you do, that they're going to put in front of you. Yeah, that, 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 that's wild. And I, I hope your research and all the other research coming out, it's just we can focus on doing what's right for the athlete, not so much what's right for the, the, the club team. Little Johnny will, if he's good and d- plays a car right, he'll get looked at. But for now, the cream always happens, right? It's just, it's just, you know, just a matter of it's, it's timing. It's so much, it's so many other variables that we just putting them in the gym does not, you know, all the time does not guarantee it. It can guarantee you can, you can, you can increase your chances for burnout. You increase your chances for injury. It does not guarantee that you are going to get that scholarship or you're going to get that whatever, like, I'm just telling you, bro, like I was I was one of those kids. I was a late bloomer. If you'd have looked at me in the seventh grade, you would have like, he ain't playing no D1 basketball. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then, I'll, you know, fast forward a few years, I, you know, I, I go, you know, I hit a growth spurt. I go from 6'1 to 6'7 and a half and some change. And now I can, and I'm jumping out to gym. I'm a totally different person. And those guys that were, you know, at 6'1, that played on every club team and, you know, were all-star on the club team. I was... They weren't even getting looks, but they put in all those years. They put in all that time. Their parents had spent all that money. They were nowhere near the scholarship I got. I, I, I hope that eventually gets to a point where it'd be like, look, all, all that work won't guarantee a scholarship. It's not going to get you there, but hopefully, you know, it'd be like, look, here's what's good for your kid. Let's just get him playing multiple sports. Yeah. Hopefully that we get to a point where it's a, hey, the kid played multiple sports you know, they just got some GPP in there with, you know, with the trainer and got everything going. So at least the kid knows in the long run they're they're not nursing too many injuries and you know, getting the more out of their body. And, heck, you know, hopefully they don't – by the time they're 18, they're not looking at their parents. Like, I really did not enjoy this. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you forced me to do a lot of stuff. But I'm excited for your, your PhD. Not only do I know it takes a long time, but this is very pertinent yeah. and relevant – information that you're, you're researching. So, you know, we're all looking forward to it. I just got one more question for you. If you could pick up the phone and call Carlos Daniel from 10 years ago, what would you tell him? Uh, I would tell him just, just stay the course, man. You know, stay the course that, you know, good thing, positive things are going to happen that, you know, the Lord has spoke something into your life and it's going to come to fruition. Stay the course. It's not always going to be pretty. Doesn't mean it's not going to rain. Doesn't mean it's not going to be some lean years. But make sure you stay the course, man. Absolutely. You got some very, very powerful information in here. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, we were able to meet up. This is, uh, you know, a great interview. And you touched on everything on how you go about developing your athletes, but also what it takes to just to be a coach in general. Well, what it's like to, I think the uh, one of the big takeaways is you got to bet on yourself and you really, really got to make sure you're about that life because yeah. it's going to come at you pretty quickly and got to be able to be the one person that believes in yourself. Um, if, yeah. if our listeners wanted to see what's next for you or, you know, keep in touch and what, what's going on with you, is there a 
anywhere you'd like them to reach out or you prefer to in the checkout? They just check out my Instagram, man. I'm not a big social media guy. Um, and it's, it, it could be to my detriment. Uh, but I, I just, you know, you can catch me on my, uh, at, uh, Instagram at low strong. Uh, as soon as I change my, get this PhD done, that pop, that handle will change. But as oh, yeah. of right now, they can catch me at low strong. There we go. I'll be looking forward to Dr. Low Strong. Yes, sir. <laughs> It'd be good. Well, I, I appreciate you being on the podcast, Coach. You uh, provide us the, the, a lot of great information, and you know, I'm looking forward to getting this out there. I appreciate it, man. I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, just having an opportunity to speak to other people that you know want to dive in and not just talk about weights, and you know, talk about you know the 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 actual realness of being a what a strength coach you know there's all those pieces and to have this uh platform and for you to be using this platform in that manner bro be encouraged man you're doing it's powerful stuff it's what it's what the i think is what this space needs absolutely coach i appreciate it i'll I'll, I'll bet myself my man (laughs) (laughs) all right coach i'll talk to you soon this episode is brought to you by team builder team builder is the premier strength conditioning app for teams and private facilities Used by more than 2,500 organizations worldwide, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or where they work out in the weight room view on a tablet. Right now, when you start a 14-day free trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. I'm telling you, great people, great software. Check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.